All right. Welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest around the United States, Canada, anywhere that you are paying attention to NHL hockey. Welcome in to Welcome Back to Hockey 2020. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona today. My uh, co-host, Paul Hornstein, is joining me from that uh, not so beautiful estate today, I don't think, with the not weather today, in, no. <laughs> in Long Island, New York. And Seth Askelson joining us in just a minute from uh, uh, North Phoenix, Arizona as well. So it's uh, day four, guys. Um, I don't know what to say, but it's been everything that I thought it might be and a little bit more. So uh, let's start with Paul. Paul, tell us a little bit about what you've seen the uh, the first four days of NHL hockey back in action. Well, listen, it's playoff time, and I know I've taken some, uh, shall we say, razzing for not giving a darn about <laughs> these round-robin games because uh, they don't mean anything. They don't. They really don't. Nobody's being eliminated. Uh, nobody is, is – is season is on the line. So let's not kid ourselves and think that it's the same level – as the quote-unquote qualifying rounds, okay? Uh, yeah, I hear and it, you. And it's, and it's playoff hockey as playoff hockey always is. Special teams and goaltending. Special yep. teams and goaltending. And you've seen that all four days. Teams that end up negative on the power play are almost always the team that comes out on the losing end of the ledger by the time the game's over. Right. Um and even the great goaltending that you might get, for example, the goaltending that Montreal got last night against Pittsburgh and Carey right. Price, yep. it kept them in the game. Uh, Pittsburgh got up early one nothing. It stayed that way till about midway through the third period. And then once Pittsburgh scored again, and they had almost 40 shots for the game, the game was over. And you yeah. can't blame it on Carey Price. No, he kept them absolutely. in the game. Absolutely. Um, Seth Askelson is also with us. And Seth, it uh, didn't quite go the way we were hoping with the Arizona Coyotes today, but welcome in and, and give us your thoughts on uh, that one in particular and what you've seen so far in the uh, return to hockey for the NHL. Yeah, uh, it, it was ugly today. And it, it's been ugly since Michael Grabner scored that shorthanded goal. I had tweeted that out um, just as the game ended today was – in the last 63 minutes of gameplay since the Michael, or, uh, yeah, about 60, no, sorry. Yeah, it was about 63 minutes of gameplay. Um, Listen, he got hit in the head today, Scott, Seth. Don't worry, but you don't have to be that technical. Just go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all right. Anyways, anyways they, since that goal, they've been outscored 7-2, to two, and even before those two goals in the final minute. So even if you take away those two goals, they've been outscored 7 to nothing. They're minus 15 in the shot differential. You've given up uh, two power play goals on five opportunities. It's it's ugly, and I don't know what changed. I don't know. Is it Nashville's better? Is it the Coyotes lost their way on the penalty kill? I'm not sure, but it's been ugly, and they they got to figure it out, and they got to figure it out fast. Uh, you know what, Seth, though? They had their chances in that game today. They, early they on did. in that game today, they had their chances. They had the early power play. And for maybe the first seven or eight minutes, they were the better team. But then they gave up some soft goals. And I think that took a lot of starch out of them. But they did have chances. 
even before the score got out of hand, and once the game was 3 nothing, you know, based on the way the Coyotes are built and the way they play, they were really not going to come back. But really until it got to that point, they had their chances. They just didn't convert. Right. No, I agree. But, I mean, I, I also think that with with the Coyotes, like you said, the way they're built, and, okay, they, you know, a couple soft goals get let up by Darcy Kemper, but, I mean. See, they can't have that. Is that really going to take the window of your – but, but is that going to take the wind out of your sails? A guy who's literally dragged you to where you're at the last two years, and he gives up. He has a, a couple of bad shots. I know it's not the most opportune time, but how many times has Darcy Kemper bailed out the Coyotes? Like if if him letting up two goals after what he's done the last two plus years takes the wind out of your sails, uh, is this team motivated? You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm well, not saying that they're not. And, and that I know what you mean. Their sails, but like, <laughs> but like if, if that's the case, like if I'm I'm Darcy Kemper, and it's like, well, that if that's what took took the wind out of your sails, I'd be like, well, what, you know, where's the fight in this team? Well, <clears throat> I guess we're going to find out in game three because that'll be the telltale <laughs> sign um, as to whether or not it was just an off day. And remember, this is still only the third game that all of these teams have played in four months. Yeah, that's so, it. That's a true statement, no doubt about that. Well, here's what I thought today, uh, guys, if you want my opinion. I, I thought coming into this game, the uh, Coyotes were going to be – I thought this might be their most important game of the Stanley Cup playoffs as long as they're in it. And the reason I said that was is they came out like gangbusters uh, in game one. And and then they kind of, as, as Seth alluded to, after Grabner's uh, shorthanded goal, they kind of just – uh, went on the defensives and, and just weren't the same. And I, I was wondering what was going to come out because we all know the national narrative uh, with the Coyotes is, yep, okay, that's the Coyotes. And uh, I was really hoping today they were going to come out and put a stamp on it because uh, Paul's Islanders did it the right way and the Carolina Hurricanes did it the right way. That's how you play playoff hockey and you get up and, and if you're supposed to win the games like you like you are, you uh, you go do it. Not saying that the Coyotes were supposed to demolish Nashville by any stretch, but if they want respect around the NHL, they need to go earn it. And I don't think today they earned it. Well, like I said, no, you I got game three. I'm sorry, Seth. You got game three, and that will really be, at least in my eyes, the telltale sign. Now, who am I? I'm just some guy with a microphone, but, you know. Yeah, yeah uh, that, I, I'm the same way. I am just some guy with a microphone as well. And, <laughs> but, I mean, to the to the point that you had made, Scott, you know, Carolina and the Islanders did it the right way, and sure they did. But, I mean, if, if we're being honest with ourselves here, I, I mean, three points to that. One, Carolina and the Islanders, to, I think, a certain extent, are better teams than the Coyotes. And also – Nashville, I think before the start of the year and before things really turned downhill, they ran into some injury issues. Pecorina may, maybe fell off a little bit harder than they were hoping. That was a team that was expected to be a top-four team. So, I mean, sure, it sucks the way the, la- the third period of Game 1 and Game 2 went, but it's not like this Predators team had showed up out of nowhere. Maybe, maybe the best defense core in the West, if not the NHL. Uh, a good group of underachieving, talented forwards up front. Like, at, at a certain point, it's like, okay, this Nashville team's going to figure it out. So that's why I'm not overly worried. It's not like the Coyotes barely missed out on making the top four and playing in the round robin instead of the play-in, and they're struggling with a team that's 
you know, miles below them. They're playing a team that should have been a top four team in the West to begin with really tough. And they're, they're tied at one, one right now. I think that's the most important thing. Like they're not two Oh, they're not the Rangers who've been getting their heads kicked in. They're not the Panthers who can't find a way to play defense. Like they're in a good spot here. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with you there. And um, <laughs> there's so many things to talk about, but the first one I want to talk about is uh, just this battle between Calgary and Winnipeg, whether it's, uh, it's it's on purpose, uh, unintentional, getting hit with pucks. Man, oh man, the guys are taking a beating. Uh, like uh, Tucker Pullman, a North Dakota UND player uh, with Winnipeg, just took one on the on the cheek earlier in this game, and now I think it was Forbert that took one to the face as well. And I'm talking pucks now, so <laughs> it's uh, that game is brutal. I think uh, Winnipeg ha- has lost at least three players and uh, probably have two or three more banged up. So just your thoughts on the physical play of not only that series, but the other series. Well, Winnipeg – no, go ahead, Seth. You go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are two teams, when you're talking about Winnipeg and Calgary, that like to bend the body, right? I mean, Matthew Kachuk's a pest, but he's not afraid to – to throw gloves or, you know, and, and get into the corners if he needs to. Milan Lucic, obviously. Uh, big size on the back end when you look at guys um, like a Mark Giordano for Calgary. And for Winnipeg, they have to be. I mean, they're without their, their top two scorers. And, you know, when you look at their lineup, there was a tweet the other day that they're missing four of their six defensemen that were in the lineup for their last playoff win against St. Louis last spring. You know, Dustin Bufflin retiring, kind of not sure what's going on there. Tyler Myers leaving, Ben Sherratt leaving. Like, that's a different Winnipeg team. And sure, like the top two line, <clears throat> when they're healthy, might be where they want to be. But when it comes to that bottom six, when it comes to really their defense, got to be a physical team. And yeah, for Winnipeg, you got to win by blocking shots. You got to win by playing that gritty hockey. You might be fast up front. For a couple of shifts, but what happens when you get to that third, fourth line and, you know, your best offensive player is Adam Lowry, and that's not to mean any disrespect to Adam Lowry. He's a fantastic NHL player that any any, any team in the league would love to have. It's just that's not a guy you're asking to go out and put up even at minimum 45, 50 points. That's a guy who's going to play defense. That's a guy who's going to forecheck hard and, and get a good, a good 45-second shift to try and give some of those top guys a rest, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's physical. Yeah, and they're yeah. losing more guys tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's crazy. Um, okay, the one thing that's not crazy uh, about a month and a half ago, we did a little uh, thing on our podcast about uh, Black Lives Matter, um, and the uh, the NHL, uh, of course, acknowledged it with Matt Dumba's statement. Um, but yesterday, before the Vegas game uh, with uh, Dallas. Four players, two from Vegas, two from Dallas, decided to take a knee during the anthem. Uh, Paul, you know. Thumbs. And thumbs. And yes, absolutely. That's yes, both. Yep. And we uh, we talked about this a little bit um, off off air, but why don't you give us your thoughts on that, Paul? Because I know you, uh, you, you saw the statements and things like that. So give us a little rundown before we go to break. I did. And honestly, uh, I can't put it any better than Robin Leonard did. Uh, Robin has a lot of fans here on Long Island after last season. 
Um, and his stance may or may not tick some of them off, but he basically put it this way, and I can't put it any better than this. At the end of the day, this is not politics. It's about human rights, not politics. And uh, we can be in denial, and people can be in denial all they want. And I might tick somebody off by saying this, but if you guys think everything out there is even, go look at the video of the six-year-old handcuffed today by the cops in Colorado. And don't tell me that that's going to happen to a Caucasian because it doesn't happen. And you can't deny it. You can be and you can be angry with me if you want. I don't want to lose somebody that might be listening, but that's just fact. Show me the video. If 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 you can show me the video, and 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 I and I'll apologize and I'll take. But no, sorry, doesn't happen. And that's about as pure and as simple as it gets. Very well put, my friend. I think Matt Dumba said it really well as well. He kind of expressed things and took a lot of courage for him to do that. Uh, we know what Scotty Graham told us uh, on the show. We know what, uh, um, oh, let's see, DeAndre John and also Dominic Garcia, the three guests that we had, uh, all had different stories, and I thought it was really cool to uh, to get their perspective, and, and I learned something. <laughs> I learned something from all three of them. So um, kudos to the NHL. I saw a lot of the players today were wearing uh, NHL uh sweatshirts that had uh had a special message on them um so yeah i mean uh, it is what it is right now as far as um how people perceive it but you know you, you gotta you gotta show some respect to the human the human body no matter what color it is and well and said just, paul and i just thought we had to address it even if it was only for a couple of minutes um you know that I have said over time that I don't really like to talk politics on our on our shows here, but in this particular case, I think we needed to make an exception. Yeah, and exactly. It's not politics. It's human rights. Um, Seth, your thoughts on that real quickly before we go to break? Yeah, I think the NHL is one of those leagues that had been behind, uh, obviously, during the exhibition games or the, you know, what were exhibition games before everything started back up again for, for reals is they tried to do the the circle of unity and, you know, everybody's standing together on the blue lines. And, you know, that was, I don't want to say a coward's way out, but they weren't committing. Right. And, and how does that look? I mean, Keandre Miller who gets on a zoom call and, and gets repeatedly berated with the N word by the people who end up getting hacked with that, you know, hacking into that in the summer and, um, you know, just like the inability and really the only lead to not even use the hashtag black lives matter up until a couple of days ago. And look, I get it in, in the standpoint of, you know, your fan base is, to be honest, very conservative, very white male. Okay. But when you talk about a league and you go out and you have a month that's, you know, hockey is for everyone and, and you have black history month and, you're doing all these things to honor these different cultures and ways of life. And then you're too scared to stand up for those people to stand up for those movements. What does that look like? Right? Like, and, and how does that feel to a guy like Matt Dumba, like Ryan Reeves? Um, and I also, I also want to say that as much as it's good that, you know, Leonard and uh, Tyler Sagan and, you know, Jamie Dickinson that they kneeled, but 
they're not the ones that deserve the attention here. It's Ryan Reeves. It's Matt Dumba. It's the guys who are fighting. It's JT Brown who pretty much got ostracized to the moon for raising his fist a few years back. So as much as it's good that there's allies showing and, and there's players willing, and especially a guy like Robin Leonard who had a Trump sticker on his mask not too long ago that stirred some controversy and it's good to see that, but again, this is about Matt Dumba, who had to do it alone on his own team a few days ago, and Ryan Reeves, who, you know, couldn't, it was only him and Robin Leonard, it wasn't anybody else on Vegas, and, you know, Jamie Ben, or uh, I'm sorry, Tyler Sagan, who went back to the locker room and had mentioned something to the guys about kneeling, and the only guy that really stood up and said he'd do it was Jamie Dickinson, so... Sure, there's there's a lot of, of progress being made, but there's still a lot more work to go. And again, this isn't a political issue. This is human rights. And as Paul said, I mean, if you look at that video and, and on top of that, the, the arrest in Colorado, they were looking for a, a motorcycle that was stolen with plates. It wasn't even a, a van and they pulled over a minivan and had a six-year-old child in handcuffs. If you don't see a six-year-old child in handcuffs, and if you try to somehow explain away a six-year-old child in handcuffs, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, I don't even know if I can explain two plus two to you at that point. Yeah. Well, well said, gentlemen. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back, and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more hockey before uh, we wrap up this uh, episode. I tell you, this 30 minutes goes quicker than I could have ever anticipated. So we'll be right back after a couple of minutes from our partners. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest. And they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776. And let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. 
And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. Another uh, few minutes left of this uh, crazy uh, podcast, uh, the uh, Welcome Back to Hockey 2020. Um, just concluding, the uh, Calgary Flames have defeated the Winnipeg Jets again, 6-2 to two tonight. So uh, by my count, gentlemen, we have a couple of series, three series as it is at, at 2-0, and uh, we've got a few more at 1-1. So um, just your thoughts as we kind of wrap up the day today uh, before we jump into uh, to, to other things. But the Islanders win again 4-2, to two. Paul. Uh, that's, that's one that's near and dear to you since you're uh, just a few miles away from them, right? Well, the, the – uh... The Panthers actually dominated the first 10, 12 minutes of this game, and they took the early lead. Um, they got a power play goal and a goal with two seconds after a power play, so they were technically still – I mean, theoretically, they were still on the power play. Uh, but the Islanders came back with two power play goals of their own. Uh, and as I said earlier, uh, special teams and goaltending um, – the Islanders got two goals from Jordan Eberle, uh, who is still trying to shed that reputation of not necessarily being a playoff performer. Uh, Toronto uh, held their breath for a long time. That game was scoreless for a long time with Columbus today. Uh, but uh, Toronto scored their first goal. I think it was about halfway through that game, Seth, if I'm not mistaken. Um I heard some of them say that Austin Matthews uh, showed up today. I thought he was the only guy that played last week uh, in, in game one, but that's just me. Um, and the fact is, at least according to the NHL sticker, uh, Matthews is like tied for second for players under the age of 23 in Leafs history with points. So he can't be playing all that badly if you're scoring that many points. Uh, Columbus just had no offense today. And once Toronto even got that one nothing lead, it it was it was uh, a situation where T Columbus really never had much of a chance to score. Uh, they didn't really generate a lot of offense. Uh, Calgary's up two games to one now. Uh, looks like uh, I'll be wrong about that series. Uh, the Rangers uh, went with Igor Sesterkin tonight, uh, the first time in a decade and a half. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is not in their playoff net. Um, 
That game is tied 1-1 in the second period as we speak. So uh, a lot of series are 1-1. Uh, you got one game, one series that's three games in. Uh, we want extra games. We want we want four and five game series. We don't, uh, except for the Islanders series. We, <laughs> we, we don't want sweeps. We want long series. All right, all right, Seth. You got three minutes to recap what the uh, the Coyotes did and what they have to do in your estimation on the back to back. We know one thing: the uh, the backup goaltender took it off the noggin in warmups, and we're still not sure if that's what uh, removed him from the game. Uh, what late in the second period, halfway through the second period, but wrap it up for us in three minutes so we can send Paul on his way with the read. Yeah. Um, they just need to score first. I think, you know, Paul talked about Columbus. I think Columbus and Arizona are the same team when they look at each other in the mirror. It's if they get behind even one, nothing like it, it might be a death sentence, just the way the team is designed to play and, and how well they are defensively in the net. So, um, yeah, I think the Coyotes, they just got to score first. Don't let it, don't let Nashville get that momentum because if they get that momentum, all of a sudden they're defensemen who like to jump into play, who like to move the puck quickly. They get the confidence. They feel like they have the open ice. And even if they don't have the open ice, if they get that confidence, they'll find a way through. So it's score first. Um, it doesn't matter who's in net for you. I mean, Darcy Kemper played 22 consecutive games last year and the Coyotes finished two points out of the playoffs. So, um, for the Coyotes, it's go out there, score first, control the game. It's just like it was when they were in the playoffs eight years ago. You score first, you control the game, you're going to be the team that's able to dominate the pace of play, and, and they can really put the strangle. But if the Coyotes have to play from behind, down one, down two, they're just not built at the time uh, right now to to be able to come back. And on top of that, I think you know they've been dominating the physical play. I mean, Taylor Hall knocked down – Ryan Ellis, and then Ryan Ellis had... Well, he was carrying the puck, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, and then Ryan Ellis had a little more to say and got whipped down to the ice. So, I I mean, that's the intensity you want from the Coyotes and and from your best players. So keep that up, but score first, suffocate a little bit. And I'm sure UC Soros, I wouldn't say he's unconfident, but I'm sure he wasn't too impressed about those two goals he gave up at the end. So... He's, is he is he going to be a little more pressed tomorrow because he's upset that he lost his playoff shutout? Who knows? But if you score first, put the pressure on, make Nashville prove that they can get their forwards who've underachieved uh, all season to get going. Very well said. Um, we'll wrap things up right now because we got another uh, college show to do in about f- uh, fifteen minutes or so. But one um, one last well, thing, Scott, sure, just Paul, for anybody that saw it. Uh, Jake Muzzin for the Toronto Maple Leafs was taken off the ice today in a stretcher. Uh, they actually yeah. took him to the hospital, and they said that uh, he had movement in his limbs. So they don't know uh, what the story is going to be, but you know when you hear that he has movement in his limbs, uh, that's the first and most important thing, and you yeah. go from there. Uh, he might have to stay out of the bubble for a few days in quarantine. But, uh, you know, if, like I said, if he's got movement in his limbs, then we're good. Good good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Go ahead and take your read away and, uh, and send us on. Welcome back to Hockey 2020 on the Ice Time Hockey SW.com Network. Brought to you by Bell Ford, presenting partner of the Sunday special. It's summertime and hockey's back. Come to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix to check out our summer truck and SUV sale. Get the bar stock for your playoff run with Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. 
Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and find your bottle. Buy summer skates. Show off your playoff passion in style with koozies and shower shoes, personalized or with your favorite player's name and number at SummerSkates.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Call him at 1-702-541-5546. Championship taste for a championship run. JesseRay'sBarbecue.com. And by M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You. Trying to watch all the games? Take that M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Welcome back to Hockey 2020 and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to Hockey 2020 and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. All right. Very well done, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen, Seth and uh, Paul, for joining me tonight. Uh, uh, we're halfway through, guys. We're doing nine shows. We got four uh, down. I guess not quite halfway, but we're getting there. And uh, stay tuned because uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly is coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes. And we've got a great guest from Arizona State. We've got James Sanchez with us. So tune into that. And tomorrow night, we'll be back at uh, 6 p.m. for another Welcome Back to Hockey 2020 podcast as well and then follow that up with uh, a club hockey southwest weekly roger klein the peacemakers will take us away with a little dinero thank you gentlemen have a good evening and we'll see you shortly 